Amen. Thank you, Christopher. All right. Good morning, everyone. There's a. I spent uh, last week and heard that uh, with Pedro Sanchez being here, he uh, just delivered powerful message, and he came up to teen camp on evening and 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 really provided something for the kids who were up there that was tremendous. And um, I appreciate so much what the church here does for Yellowstone Bible Camp and just making it go. There's from, from I know that from the very beginning of the season to the very end, there's you guys, the Belgrade Church is right in the middle of making things work and making things go up there. And this is a week that I've, I've taught for years at uh, the teen camp. And we had quite a crew from Belgrade that was there that helped out this year. There was team leaders and there was several of our kids that were there. This is the Gallatin Valley crew right there. And Cody and Kaylee were off helping out, doing something else when we took the picture. And so they got superimposed in here. It looks great, doesn't it? That's right. They're a little, they're, they're dressed a little overdressed for camp maybe, but, but that's, uh, that's, that was the crew there. And, uh, it was, it was a rich time. Uh, there was, um, Dan and Tisha participated. Dan came up and taught on Wednesday night, and they aren't in this picture. Uh, but there was just the, this crew gave so much for this to, to happen. And it was amazing. And, and I wish somehow all of you, I could share just the, the encouragement that is given for me participating that week, that I could just share it with you. Uh, because there was uh, comment after comment the last few days People just saying, this has been a tremendous transformational week for me, and I'm just so thankful that, that, uh, that we were here, that we could be able to participate with it. Um, there was just about 70 kids that were there that came from all over. There's some that drove from way up in Canada or went down in Idaho and Wyoming that, that came to, because they, Washington, and we have some Washington crew here today, because they want to participate with what happens there. And you guys are a big part of that in, um, in the, your work and very, very different varied ways to make it make it happen there was something that uh, aside from the tremendous spiritual things that that happened whether group discussion times and and um, that happened throughout the week there was something that I've, i i saw a performer that i've never seen perform before and it was it was quite impressive uh Stephen christine bachmeyer drove up and they were there for the talent show and carly little carly drew on the the talent show um, there was a list of, of the different talents that were coming up. And she wrote up there in her big letters, Steve is going to sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And so guess what Steve Bachmeyer did? He got up and sang Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And it was quite a performance. And Steve, you need to save that and you can share that with us sometime at, at one of our events. You can sing Twinkle, Little Star for us. It's pretty pretty impressive. So uh, that's, a, that's one, just one of the things that, that we missed out on. But we can maybe bring it here and be a great blessing. Um, go ahead and turn to, uh, we'll start in, in John chapter 8. Now, we um, got done with teen camp, and Sarah and Luke, our kids, went up to Libby to be with my folks for a few days, and we headed up to Great Falls yesterday, and I performed a wedding in Great Falls and got back about 10.30 last night. And so if, okay, if you like it when ministers say bizarre things and mix their words, this is probably the day, all right? So just be ready for it. As yesterday, I read through Ecclesiastes 3, performing the wedding ceremony, and where it says a time to love, a time to hate, a time to be born, a time to die. You know, the 1965, the birds, they adapted that with a song. And I, I walked through that, and somewhere in the middle of it, I said there's a time to gather scones and a time to 
scatter scones, and I meant to say stones, but it was came out scones. So, who knows how things will go this morning. Here we go. Ready? All right. We've been talking through how to pursue God through different spiritual disciplines. Instead of just becoming a Christian, say, all right, I'm good, here I am, and you just wander off in life, just wandering through just, just aimlessly. We continue to pursue God day in, day out, and through that, He gives us freedom that we could never anticipate or imagine otherwise. There is, um, what we're going to look at today is or pursuing God through studying His Word. And so I know that when I hear the word study, there's part of me that thinks, oh man, that's hard. I've done that enough in my life. I've written enough papers. I've spent enough time studying. Sometimes I just don't want to do that. How many of you feel that way at times? I just kind of want to avoid studying hard because I've done that. Can, can I accomplish it? Can I get to a point where I don't have to do that anymore? I don't have to think about it. The, the answer is yes, studying is hard. But we're going to talk through this on why it is so important that we as people pursue that and, um, and, and that is something that's essential for our lives. John 8, 31 and 32. I want to read something here. It says, and this is Jesus speaking to the Jews who believed, who had believed him. Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so his point here, it says, If you hold to my teachings, then... Then what's going to happen? Then you will know the truth. And then, after you know the truth, the truth is going to set you free. And so Jesus tells these religious leaders here, the Jews that believe in him, says, You're, what, part of following me is holding to my teachings and then understanding. It makes sense more as you go along. Uh, there's a lot of things like that, is that we have to put in the work before we're able to be freed. Because God's, uh, God's message is free to us, but that doesn't mean it's cheap. His, his understanding of pursuing God takes effort on our part. It takes getting into his word so that he can change us and transform us into what he wants us to be. Hey, Joshua 1.8. We're going to look at a couple of passages here. Go ahead and go ahead and have your Bibles handy because we're going to jump around to a few passages here. Joshua 1.8. And this came out of one of the lessons at, at teen camp, and so I'm going to share it with you because I've never heard this before. This is Joshua as he is going to be leading the Israelites into the promised land. Joshua 1.8, he says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So Joshua convicts the people as they're about ready to go into the promised land. Here's the key. Here's our key to success right now, is getting a hold of God's word and really pursuing it, really having it always before you. He says, meditate on it day and night. Hey, let's get forward to Psalm chapter 1, Psalm number 1. <laughs> Psalm 1, verse 2. I'll read verse 1 and 2. He says, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. So here's this phrase again, meditate on it day and night. So uh, I checked this out last night and verified it. But this term, meditate, means to, to meditate on, to consider, to think, to study. And interestingly enough, the same term is used to translate to growl. And so I heard that this last week. I thought, wait a minute here. What on earth does studying have to do with growling? You know, what, what on earth is that all about? And the concept is, and I saw it happen this morning, and I paid attention, because when I, I fed our dog, we let her in the house, 
And she came in immediately, our, our Stella, our yellow lab that had 35 puppies and, and now she's fixed and she's just all of a sudden turned into this calm, relaxed dog for the most part. And uh, she's, she's, she's worked hard in life. So I fed her and she comes in and she's got a few Nyla bones that, that we have that lay around the house. And the first thing she does is she puts her head down and she starts snooping around the living room and immediately she'll find one. She grabs one, she puts it in her mouth, and then she sits there and she chews. And you can hear her just chewing and chewing and chewing on. And then she'll roll over on her side and she'll chew. And then she rolls over on her back sometimes and she lays with her feet up in the air and she chews and chews and chews on this bone. And you know when she does it, she's not silent. You can hear this as she's chewing on her bone. And the idea is this. You can imagine when uh, Scripture is written, especially you know, the Psalms and Joshua, there weren't copies of the law of God or the words of the Bible that, that everybody had. And so what happened is people would come to a place where there was going to be teaching. The teaching would happen. And then you had probably a week before you were going to meet with other people that you were going to hear the message of God. And so you hear the message of God, and maybe somebody walks through Psalm 1, for example. I'll use that because that's what we just read. And walks through it and teaches about it. And so what happens, you can't go back and be a daily Bible reader. You can't do it because the, the place where the scroll is kept is miles away. You have to tend to your farm. It's impossible. You probably don't even know how to read. It's very possible. And so what happens, in other words, is that this, say this gentleman goes back to his farm, but for the next week, day in, day out, when he's plowing or, or when he's, he's working the ground or when he's harvesting, what's in his head? What's in his head is not, I hate that guy over there or, or, or whatever he could fill his mind with. But what he's doing is he is meditating, he's growling, you know, like our dog gets a hold of that bone, on God's word, and he's wrestling with it, and he's asking himself these questions. Boy, this psalm really convicted me, and it made me think, what does God want for me to do? And his mind is going while he is, while he is doing work in other places. That's the idea there, is that when, uh, when we study God's word, it means not just sitting down and saying, all right, hey, I'm going to study, I'm going to do my daily devotional time, and then I've got my check mark for the day, I'm good to go. But God asks us something different, is that whatever we look at in Scripture, is that we take that throughout the rest of our day, throughout the rest of our week, to continually meditate on it, or growl on it, and help us wrestle through what God really wants us to be. You see the difference there? See the difference? And uh, that's a, I think it's a helpful concept for me to think about, is, is God wants me to, day in, day out, wherever I'm at, continue to, to wrestle with God's word, even if I don't have it right in front of me. But whatever I'm doing, in my heart, my mind, continue to wrestle through it. Okay. Oh, I forgot the best picture here. There it is. There it is. Good-looking dog. Can you guys relate to that? You had dogs that sit there with the bones and just chew on them, chew on them, chew on them. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to Ezra. Ezra chapter 7. Go ahead and turn there. Ezra chapter 7. Now, there is, when you, when you look at what happens in the Old Testament, there are times where the people of God do really well and the people of God don't do well. And it seems like the disasters happen more than things go well. And it's just this big roller coaster. But a common theme that you see whenever God's people do well and they're on the upswing, 
Like, for example, we talked about how uh, King Jehoshaphat, you know, that be a great name there, is that he sent out officials to go out and to share the message of God and read with the people so that they would know what God wanted for them. And that's what they were supposed to do. Um, and he sent them out all over the place. And you see the people respond. They respond and God blesses them greatly. And the same type of thing happens during Ezra's reign. In Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. Look at what, what this is, the description is given here of Ezra. For Ezra had devoted himself to the and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. Now this is the example that Ezra sets. He has the opportunity to help the people of Israel come back to a renewal and to come back to, to God and, and to be transformed and be a different people. And he takes this seriously. And so he studies so that he can share the message of God with other people. That was Ezra's job. And when we get to our time in the New Testament, what we see from Scripture is that God calls all of us to be priests. All of us to be priests, somehow, some way, to be people that get God's word into us and we share that with the people around us by example. Hey, let's go to Jeremiah. I'll show you, show you what I mean here. In Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. And this is Jeremiah, hundreds of years before Jesus ever walked the earth. He he's, gives these words. And, um, and so you can imagine there's times in, in, uh, that we see in ancient Israel where people knew the words of God, like Jehoshaphat's time, and there's times like in the beginning of the reign of Josiah, they couldn't even find a Bible laying around. And they found it only because they were cleaning the temple and realized, oh, wait a minute here, this, we've lost this. And they read it in the presence of the king, and the king weeps because he realizes how far we've gone from, from what we're supposed to be. You see the difference there? Okay, look at Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. It says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the house and the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. In other words, people in my kingdom that's going to come someday are going to know me. It says, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. You see what Jeremiah is doing is he's saying, there's going to be a time where God's kingdom isn't going to be like it is now, where there's a lot of people that are part of Israel, that are genetic descendants of Abraham, but they don't have any idea what God's word says. They're absolutely clueless about it. That time is going to go away. And there's going to be a time where everyone that is part of God's kingdom knows God, and we don't have to come together and say, hey, you need to know what, who God is about. Because all of us who are part of God's kingdom will know God. And you see, when Jesus came, the national borders, so we can say, the political boundaries of Israel, ceased to be where God's people were at. And God's people were wherever God, people who decided to follow God were gathered together, no matter what our race was at all. And... That is uh, something for me that is tremendously encouraging and convicting as well because what it shows is what God's people are supposed to be about. It's not about um, how nice our building is or location of the building or what my parents or my grandparents did. 
It's about whether I choose to be one who knows the Lord or not. Um, look at, um, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll look at verses 16 and 17. Second Timothy chapter three, verses sixteen and seventeen says All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, so this is a passage, I think it's it's powerful for me. It says Scripture is God breathed. So it comes directly from the mouth of God. Sometimes the term is used Scripture is inspired by God. It is, it is not just, oh, this is, a, this is something that somebody wrote down and maybe has some thoughts of God or, or maybe, maybe the words of God are in there and we have to try to deduce what's from mankind and what's from, from God. But it says clearly that Scripture is God-breathed. It comes directly out of the mouth of God. And because it is, direct, it is God-breathed, it is useful. And, and there is sometimes, there's some books that I've read that, um, that are older books, and they're very dated because of the material that's in them. Have you ever read something like that? I remember there was a book that, that we read when I was in high school, and the teacher said, this is the last time I'm going to teach this book. It's called Alas, Babylon. And she said the reason why is because this is a book that really talks about the Cold War and what happens if there's nuclear holocaust and all that. And because... That doesn't look like it's going to happen. I'm not going to teach this book anymore because this era has passed. It is dated. It is done. It's finished. But Scripture is very different. Is that no matter what culture we live in, no matter where we come from, no matter what our life situation is, Scripture, because it is breathed of God, has the power to be useful in our lives and transform us. So it's useful in teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Okay, and that starts with me. It starts with me. When I read Scripture, Scripture is supposed to do all these things for me. It teaches me and it rebukes me, means it, it points out what is incorrect in my life and it corrects me. Correct means turns me another direction and teaches me about righteousness or doing right. And that's what God's Word does, is it steers us away from the path that's going to destruction and pulls us back to where God wants us to be in a path that's going to bring, here we go again, freedom. You see it over and over again here in Scripture. And that's what God's words are supposed to do for us. And that's what they do for us when we, we, give, when we decide, I'm going to study God's word, I'm going to see what he wants for me, and I'm going to be changed because of that. And God's word prepares us for every, every good work that we come in contact with, everything for life. God's word prepares us in some way. Okay, so let's talk about some practical ways here. All right. I like that picture there. I think it speaks a lot. Okay. Studying God's Word. Here's a couple of things to think about. There's different ways to study when we approach God's Word. Um, studying to teach. Okay. That is when we take God's Word, we open it up and say, all right, I've got to share this with somebody else, so I better know this frontwards and backwards, whether it be a topic, like if a person's trying to wrestle through baptism, I'm going to read through those, I'm going to read through those scriptures. Or a book, like someone's, I'm going to talk to somebody or teach about Ephesians or, or whatever it may be. And I need to walk through those so that I know them well enough so that I can share them with somebody else. And um, 
person, there's all sorts of teaching opportunities with our, our kids' classes that, that you can volunteer for and put you to work in those places, teaching, teaching the children and teaching some of the adult rotation as well. So that you, there is something I know that we learn Scripture on a different level when we know that we have to teach somebody else. And if you've never had that experience, I recommend that if, find a situation. You can talk to me. We'll find a way. Or maybe it's just with your neighbors or your children. But you prepare because you know that you've got to give answers to somebody else so that they can understand God's word better. Um, also, studying to be refreshed. It's important for all of us to just have time where we read God's word and we reflect and we listen. We talked about meditation before, remember? And we just let God's word speak to us and encourage us and, and change us and convict us. And it's important when we read scripture not to read it from, hmm, I want to find a scripture because I don't like this person and I want them to be different. Therefore, I'm going to find scriptures that talk to their situation. You know, we usually end up not seeing the log in our own eye when we approach things that way. But study to be refreshed and also studying for the big picture. Um, I know that I've, I've shared this with you many times. I'm a huge fan of the daily Bible, uh, that the chronological Bible that starts the first of the year, and you read through the whole Bible in a year. And, and I can tell you that I did that when I was in high school. I did it twice when I was in high school. And I believe that that experience did more to change me and understand the message of God than any class I've ever taken. And I've taken a lot of them. And that, that was tremendous. And if you've never done that, it's called the Chronological or the Daily Bible. The editor is F. Lagarde Smith. He's actually an attorney that taught at Pepperdine for years. But he, uh, he organized things so that he could, could walk through. And, and there's, um, the Bible scholar types will take issue with how things are organized in some different ways, but, but there, that's the details, okay? The big picture is, he takes this Bible that you and I are using, arranged in chronological order, and you start at the beginning and you read all the way through. And what it did for me is I saw the big picture of, wait a minute, God started way back here and God has been working up to this point in time to help redeem people, renew people, and bring people back to himself. And reading that has changed me and helped me understand where I fit in God's plan in this. And it changed me as a high school student and convicted me in ways that I could never describe. And so they're great Christmas presents. You do not have to wait till the first of the year to start that. You can start January 1 tomorrow. Uh, and you just you get in it and you, you just start reading through. And I've seen people, uh, there's times where people that I've studied the Bible with that are wrestling with, uh, with with different aspects of uh, of their head getting in the way of their heart or whatever, and I've just given them one of those and said, "Why don't you read and just see what happens?" And at the end of the year, if they'll read, the conviction and the transformation that happens is pretty amazing. Uh, God's word works like that, and so I look at all of these things here. There's there's a, a let me say it this way, okay? For us as people, we have a huge opportunity. Um, in this valley, because I know that this community of, of faith here, I learn something from you guys every day as we walk through life together. I learn, I learn what it means to, to, to love one another, what it means to, to live out a godly life in the, with the people around us. And I've, I've, in the two and a half years I've been here, I continue to be impressed with what I see and, and continue to learn, like I said. And here's a big question for our future. Okay? And this is uh, for any church, any situation, but I believe we have more opportunity than most places because 
This valley's growing. We're right next to the interstate. There's there's people wandering all the time, just trying to figure out what is what are you guys about? And we have these conversations, and people have become Christians among us in the last years. But I think about this. One thing I've seen from the Old Testament, and one thing I've seen from history, is there's a huge factor that determines what direction churches go. A number, and this is how it works. We see in the Old Testament, when people stop looking at God's word, stop being disciplined about saying, this matters for me. I will not rely on the minister to teach me everything I need to know. I will not rely on others. But I'm going to get into God's word. I'm going to study it. I'm going to growl it, growl with it, wrestle with it. And I'm going to do that day in, day out of my life because I think this, I believe that this matters so much, it's a matter of eternity for my example and the example for the people around me, for me to really take this seriously. And no matter what else is happening, no matter how busy I get, I will not make excuses. I will get in and I will let this transform me. Because God's Word does that. Scripture says it. And I believe if we, the more of us make that commitment, then the more transformation happens, the more God uses us, and the more that his message goes out among us. But if we go the direction of that we see in Israel doing many times, is saying, this God guy, well, I kind of like this idol better, or I kind of like this idol better, and we cease to get into God's word and growl with it, on a regular basis, then what happens is we start to lose all sorts of conviction and understanding, and we become just complacent. Okay? Now, what's amazing is, is I know that someone told me a while back that, that they're just amazed at how many people in the church here that it is, it's not the exception, it's, it's the norm for us to be people that say, I get into God's Word day in, day out, because that's important for me. And, and I'm, again, I continue to learn from all of you. And this is one thing, and believe me, I understand here, and I believe that I'm preaching to the choir. I'm not telling you something that, uh, that many of you, many of us, most of us don't do on a regular basis. But it's important to come back to this. And remember that when we're in God's Word and we wrestle with it day in, day out, what happens is God gives us freedom to understand and see things and to have peace and joy that we would never have any other way. Is it hard work? Yeah, absolutely. But as I tell my kids, everything worth doing is hard. Everything worth doing takes effort. And so we can put effort into all sorts of things, but I see from God's Word, the greatest thing that we can put effort in is to studying His Word and allowing His Word to transform our hearts and change us to be people that we would never imagine that God could use in powerful ways like he does. Sound like a plan? All right. So conviction for all of us. Make sure that as we get through the summer and we start into the new, the new rotation of things here in the next is that all of us make that decision. Is God's word is I'm going to, no matter how busy I get, I'm going to make a, that a priority so that it can transform me and transform the lives of the people around me for all eternity. If you'd like to become a Christian or you'd like to talk with the elders and and have prayers, if there's something on your heart that you just can't shake and uh, you need the elders to pray with you, they're waiting in the back. You can head back while we stand and sing together.